This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So today it's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open, and we welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. The summer temperatures are high. Some pets need extra attention when heat indexes reach 100 degrees or more. So we'll talk about keeping pets healthy during the summer sun. Also, if you've had any general wildlife experiences, please call those in and share as well. You can join the conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. If you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday mornings, there's always a repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Yes, we are. Good morning. Hope you're doing well, Kevin. Doing good. Uh, unfortunately, I've got to visit you tomorrow with uh, Bo, uh, my cat, uh, did something to one of his eyes, and it's kind of all red and a little bit puffy. Uh, it looked like it was getting better throughout the week, but it's not, so I figure I better bring him in and, and see what the problem might be. It's not the first time he's had an issue with his eye, so is that something that's somewhat uh, familiar with cats or, or um, uh, 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 the, you know, maybe scratching the eye or getting something in their eye? Certainly, certainly can be, and of course, it's just the one eye, right? Yes. Uh, not both. <laughs> And there, there could be anything from a tear duct blockage uh, to maybe a scratch, hopefully not. Uh, but we'll be glad to check it and see where to go from there. All right. Very good. I will see you all in the morning then. We appreciate that. So, you know, we've uh, the summer sun, you know, we've talked about it before, but I don't think it ever hurts to remind people, again, when these temperatures get to be so, so hot, we really do need to keep our pets in mind and keeping them uh, healthy and happy as well. And the first one, I guess, just like humans, uh, our pets need good hydration. Absolutely. And uh, this is one of the problems a lot of times that we run into. You know, I was looking at the weather this morning, and, you know, they're talking about a heat index of uh, 110 plus. It's very humid. Uh, it's uh, going to be quite hot, I think, for the rest of the week and maybe the rest of the summer. We just don't know. But plenty of water availability. Uh, if the animal is outside, whether it's a cat or a dog, needs plenty of shade. Uh, a lot of people have set up a fan outside, you know, where their dog or cat could uh, enjoy a breeze at least. But, yes, hydration is most important. And adequate water in a container that can't be turned over which is real important because it happens sometimes. And uh, certainly they could be without water for quite a while. Um, and so what are some of the symptoms that our pets might show if they begin to get too hot and start to overheat? Usually what we see, first of all, is excessive panning, uh, trying to uh, get uh, the heat out of their body, if you will. Uh, lethargy, uh, you might be out for a walk with your dog, and then all of a sudden it just lays down and doesn't want to go any further. That's usually a, a tip that we need to uh have immediate action. 
uh, temperature in a dog outside, if they're going through a heat stroke, can rise to 104, 105, and even 106. And that cannot be sustained for a very long period of time. One thing when you see heat exhaustion or a dog that you think uh, is having heat stroke, you need to not cool the dog down too quickly. In other words, don't pack it in ice or anything like that. Maybe tepid water. Uh, we quite often would use maybe uh, regular rubbing alcohol on the feet. Uh, it helps to kind of lower the temperature. I know it sounds a little crazy, but it does help. And uh, if there's imminent heat stroke or just really the dog is looking uh, quite uh, stressed, it probably would be wise to get in to see your veterinarian. And if uh, your vet's not available for whatever reason, too, uh, one of those um, emergency animal clinic. I mean, if, if you're seeing those sorts of symptoms, it really borders on something that could be serious, and so you'd kind of need to take immediate action, I would think. Absolutely. The other thing is when we're walking our dogs, uh, whether it's in the afternoon or whatever, test the uh, asphalt. You really That can really retain heat. If you put your hand down on the asphalt and it uh, is more than just slightly warm, you really don't need to be walking your pet on asphalt or even concrete. Uh, grass is better. and uh, But in the heat of the day, we really need to be very careful. Uh, it goes without saying that uh, you should never leave an animal alone in a parked car. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I think a lot of dogs enjoy swimming, going to a lake or a pool maybe, but um, not all dogs are good swimmers. So keep an eye on your dog if they're near water. Right, and, and playing with your dog, such as uh, throwing a ball into the water, uh, frisbee, something like that, uh, certainly they can overheat, even though they've got water available, uh, they can, can overheat. Back to the car issue, uh, if you leave your dog, even with a car motor running and air conditioner on, there are ways that that dog can uh, turn it off and lock the doors. Actually, we had that happen not too long ago. Uh, where the the dog actually, uh, the owner had stepped away and had left the car running, but the dog actually locked locked the door and the key was in the in the car, so it was a real problem getting back in. So be very careful. Temperature can rise uh, quite quickly, and I would say into the 125 to 140 degrees in your car. This is Creature Comforts. It's an all-pet day, so if you have a question about your pet for Dr. Major, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That phone number is one 672 7464 You can also send us an email. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We've got James on the line from Meridian. James, thanks for calling in this morning. Go ahead. What do you have for us? Yes, sir. Uh, I had a situation actually happened this morning. A uh, dog got hit with the lawnmower blade and left his foot, and uh, we washed it down with peroxide and uh, wrapped it real well. Would it, would it, would it, is it possible that the dog would go into shock? Uh, we're going to try to get it to the vet, but is, is there anything else we can do before we get it to the vet? We got it cleaned up and wrapped up real good. Is there anything else that we need to do right away? Certainly, this is all, how's the dog acting right now? What is what is her demeanor? Just real quiet. Won't won't eat. Just kind of real quiet. And this this happened this morning. Yes, sir. Well, as soon as you can, let's get her on into the uh, vet. 
apparently you've stopped any bleeding, this sort of thing. And uh, right. pain management is important. It, she needs to have medication for pain, and also if this can be treated and sutured up, it needs to be done. So please get her into the vet as soon as you can. Sounds like you've done a good uh, immediate first aid job, and uh, I yes, would compliment you on that. But let's, let's, you do need to get her in as soon as you can. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for your call, James. Again, this is Creature Comforts, and it's an all-pet day. We've got some open phone lines ready for your pet question. Dr. Major is on the line. So the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always send us an email as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. And we do have a number of emails to get to. Let's take one before our first break. Uh, my yellow Labrador retriever loves to swim even when it's freezing outside. I've heard he has a double coat that's the equivalent to him wearing an insulated raincoat. Uh, is that true? And any advice on Labradors in general? You know, certainly there can be a protective inner coats. A lot of their dogs do have double coats. It can be an advantage in cold weather, but it also can be a disadvantage in this high humidity uh, heat type situation. Uh, we see a lot of moist eczema, which uh, the general term for that is hot spots. Uh, I would say that, yes, that dog has a protective coat, and a lot of the dogs love to swim even in cold weather. Uh, be careful when you choose your place that you're letting the dog slim, swim. I uh, really am concerned about these small ponds, for example, that have mold, blue-green algae-type things, and also some other more dangerous uh, conditions could occur, such as pithiosis, which is can be deadly. So be careful when you choose your spot that you're going to let your dog swim. And I think we've talked about this before in the past, but again, certainly doesn't bear hurt to uh, bear repeating. Uh, with dogs that have a thicker coat, is it a good idea to take them to a groomer and maybe get a, a summer cut? Yes, and they can they can actually thin that that coat out some, you know, without having to shear the dog down to the skin. Actually, some dogs, when you get too close to the skin, a couple of things happen. You can have clipper burn, and sometimes the hair does not grow back quite like it was. The other thing is uh, sunburn. Uh, a lot of our dogs will sunburn if they, especially if they're white, uh, have a light color, uh, if they're trimmed too close. So talk with your groomer about that, and I think the main thing is comfort. Uh, and a lot of dogs would just benefit from a very good brushing and combing. Uh, we see handfuls of hair sometimes that comes out, uh, sometimes a waiting room. Uh, has to be uh, swept several times a day simply because of the hair from uh, dog shedding. Uh, yeah, I know every time I clean up around my house, I'm amazed at the amount of cat hair that's around there. So, yeah, though our pets really do know how to shed, and obviously they need to, but uh, it's something to keep up and, and a good idea. Any kind of brushing of that coat will keep some of that uh, loose fur from possibly getting matted up or whatever. So, Absolutely. I think it makes it healthy. And as long as they're replacing it, uh, if they're not replacing it, there may be a problem. But in general, most of the time, just removing that hair that's dead or matted up certainly will benefit the animal. It is time for the first break of our hour. When we get back, we will be looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. 
Also, we always like to hear about any brushes with nature you've had recently. So call with questions and comments. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We have more after this, so stay tuned. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, and today we're taking your pet questions. And also, if you've had a recent brush with nature, we always like to hear about those, so call in. To uh, call in with a question or a comment, the phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We've got some phone lines open, so if you have a pet question, go ahead and give us a call right now, and Dr. Major will be able to give you some assistance. And you know, uh, he's Dr. Major's on the show with us every Thursday, so every Thursday uh, is good for pet questions. But we do reserve one week uh, each month that we concentrate on your pet questions. So now is a great time if you have something that you need to know about your pet. We've got a call coming in, but before that, let's uh, take another email. This one says, um, I have two indoor-outdoor cats who've suffered from fleas this summer. I've used topical monthly treatments, Frontline, Advantage, and Store Brands, but the fleas are still present. Is there anything else I can do or retry this monthly? Uh, Should I use those more frequently? Well, sounds like... I think the first thing they said, indoor-outdoor cats, right? Yes. So even with the medications that they've used, which uh, I'm sure that probably they're safe, uh, they're picking up the fleas, I'm sure, outside. But you have to approach it also that there may be uh, flea eggs, flea larvae, and fleas hatching out in the house. So you need to do a thorough cleaning. Uh, Vacuuming does help uh, wherever the cats lounge or stay. But I suspect these cats are getting them outside and possibly interacting with other cats outside. So they they have a constant problem. Now, talk to your veterinarian about applying uh, the medications. But, in fact, some of these start to lose their effect around day 25 as opposed to 30. Uh, There is uh, one uh, that has a longer action, uh, Prevecto Topical. And certainly that would be one thing that might help with this. But if they're always getting new fleas, it does take a while for the, for them to die, usually within 24 hours or less. But uh, certainly that may be the source. Uh, but work on the inside of the house as well. Any bedding or anything, certainly uh, uh, washing that in hot water uh, should take care of that. But vacuuming is also important. Uh, you know, one tip that you gave me uh, was to get some of that, and I went to a pet store and got that it's a, a kind of a home uh, flea spray. And so you had recommended, you know, spraying around the baseboards around the house. But another thing that I thought was interesting and, and a good tip, too, was <clears throat> spray a lot of it on the, the threshold. Any door that you have, you know, spray along exactly. there so that you're creating a barrier to try to prevent those fleas from getting in and, and causing some issues. Well, I know we don't unless you've got a video cam outside uh, recording everything, you're going to have some nighttime visitors. A lot of times cats will come sit on the porch, sit on the front porch area or on the doormat, and they're going to be dropping fleas and flea eggs uh, or larvae, which will happen soon, uh, when they're there. So that can be a source. Even if your cats don't go outside, it's good to try to have a little barrier. 
All right. We've got another caller on the line. So this time we say good morning to Jacob, who's called in today. Jacob, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you have for good. us today? Uh, I had a kind of a two-part question. Uh, I got an, uh, it's a Rottweiler lab mix, and it keeps licking his paws right where the ankles are, and it rubs him raw. And somebody told me that it was allergies, but, you know, just me being me, like, I, I really don't understand how allergies would make a dog lift their ankle so much to where it goes raw. And also, what would be one of the, like, what would be a good antibiotic or something to put on it? Okay. So it's kind of a two-part question. It's It's a good question because we see a lot of that. Think of this. First of all, the Rottweiler does go outside, I'm sure. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's mainly outside. Right. And the feet and ankles, uh, you've seen cats groom themselves. Well, and dogs do as well, and it gets to be a habit in a lot of cases. Uh, certainly, I would say that uh, probably it could be an allergy. A lot of times steroids or other medication may help. Uh, I would seek advice from your veterinarian, if you would, just to see what let him look at the feet and see what can be done. But I have seen Rottweilers especially um, that lick so much that the feet will actually swell, and you get these sores around the ankle and foot. Uh, see, that's what I'm dealing with. He 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 looks like a golden retriever. Oh, me. Okay. Like he's all blonde. And, okay. you know, I can see, like, it's, it's all hot down there, and... I can see, like, it's shedding all the time. I brush him, but it just keeps coming off. And I'm not really sure what to do. Like, I'm worried about the ankles, but also, like, him getting heat stroke. Right. This is one of the cases really you need professional help, and I can tell you things that you could do. But I think your vet needs to look at these and see if medication from the standpoint of either a shot uh, steroids or some t- uh, oral medication may help. But a lot of this gets to be habit. And uh, think in terms of, uh, what shall I say, athlete's foot or something like that. This is not athlete's foot, but still it feels good to the dog until it almost hurts with him licking and chewing. So right. he, does need, he does need some help, and I think the best thing you can do is get in and see your vet and ask for his advice and go from there. Good luck. Until with that. I can get to a vet, is triple uh, antibiotic ointment okay? It's not, it's not going to hurt. Uh, certainly, you can use that. Uh, you could use uh, actually uh, the, the antibiotic ointment with uh, cortisone in it just to see if that would help. It's not going to hurt him to lick that. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite dog, by the way? <laughs> My- my favorite dog. Oh gosh, that's an awful question to ask. They're, 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 but they're they're good dogs in all breeds. I found that out over the years. One of the best dogs that I had was a Dogo Argentina, uh, big dog, about 105 pounds, and trained. Those dogs are excellent. Untrained, they can be pretty vicious. Also, you train them dog, to uh, hunt or protect, or what do you train protect. them? I trained her to protect. She was a house dog, and uh, she did an excellent job. 
she would follow my wife around just like a ghost. She was white, and uh, she would uh, not take many steps without uh, the dog being right with her. The other two dogs that I have right now, Chihuahuas. That's a strange stretch there, but uh, they're, they're good little dogs. And uh, but no, I found you know all dogs. Everybody has their own preference. Maybe everything from boxers to Rottweilers to uh, Labs, and of course Lab is still one of the most predominant breeds in in Mississippi, along with pit bulls. And I've seen good dogs in every breed, just about. Okay, some have more maintenance problems than others, but uh, that's part of ownership. You have to take care of your pits. Thanks for that. Speaking of ownership, how do you uh, how do you deal with the loss of a dog? I recently lost my dog. He uh. Yeah. He fell into a pool and drowned while I was off at work, and I had oh, to man. come home. And what kind of, you what know, kind of dog was that? It was an okay. Australian Shepherd and Blue Healer. He was about fourteen years old. So I mean, well, and he was on the verge of us having to go and put him down. Did because right. it it's a very easy access. He just couldn't, you know. Yeah doggy paddle to keep himself afloat how do you deal with losing a dog you know that's that's a hard thing and you you know i always tell people there's no way to replace that dog there'll be other dogs for people that really love dogs but you have to go i go through a mourning period and uh just like with a human in fact some of our dogs i don't know about your rottweiler mix that you have there whether it mourned for this dog or not but dogs will mourn uh, pretty severely. Some dogs won't eat for a while simply because they're mourning. But you have to understand that uh, you've had some, you had a 14-year-old dog. You had some great times, great memories, and that's the best way I know to uh, remember that dog just from the standpoint of knowing that, hey, it was a good dog. You took good care of it. And, uh, you know, it does happen. So uh, that's my best advice to you. Good memories. All right, uh, Jacob, we appreciate your call this morning. And, yeah, Dr. Major, that's tough. I think all of us who have been pet owners have probably had to deal with that at one time or another. And as you say, it's just kind of best to remember the, the, the joy that they brought us when they were with us and, and a, a good way to kind of honor their memory. Right. That's exactly right. All right. Let's uh, press on. Next, our friend Kathleen has called in today from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Good to hear from you. Good hot morning, guys. <laughs> It's already miserable out there. Listen, just I've got a question about a rabbit, but I wanted to mention this about the cat or dog passing. When I had my cat, Handsome, die, okay, he was 17, almost 18 years old, uh, I not only mourned him, but the other cats did too. They would walk up, because I couldn't bury him, it was at night, and it was, you know, rainy and stuff like that, but... They would walk over to him, put their paws on him, lay down beside him. And they took turns. When one left, the other would come, or somebody would be one on either side. So they knew. They really did know. But uh, it was just unusual to see. Uh, got a question about my little rabbit. She's still still trucking along. Uh, she has that double coat. And yes. I was... She did get most of it. Now, she does let me hold her a lot, you know, and all like that. But there's areas where she missed. Now, I know this sounds silly, 
silly, but can I brush and take off the rest, or does she have to do it? Because some animals require they do themselves. I don't know, you know? Right. If it's still got some patches that are really thick, just gentle brushing. You have to be careful with the rabbit. Uh, they have thinner skin than a cat even, so you don't want to just pull or cut. So I would say just gentle brushing, you should be able to remove some of that. And she may continue on, but it is so hot, uh, you need to kind of help her some, I think. I would. Well, I've got in her cage, uh, I've bought the extra large, not for her pet size, but large for just making her have more room. And uh, it's under a tree. And I've got a roof on top, but it's got spaces under it about two inches so that there is airflow on all sides. Right. I try to keep the water. And uh, you just need too much of the the, the little petal, uh, pebble food that they get for the rabbits, rabbit meal. But I've been going in the yard and doing my usual, I call it grocery shopping. <laughs> God bless me, I don't have enough things to do. But I go around, I pick, have my basket, I pick the things that I know she eats. And I yes. put them in the cage for her. And uh, in the morning, I pick them, and they have more water on that uh, dampness. And she seems to just love it like it's dessert. And so, but uh, little Lucito says hi to all the fans out there. Cause I had a couple <laughs> ladies uh, recognize me. And they go, Kathleen, how's your rabbit doing? I said, well, she's more famous than I am. Well, y'all have a good day. Take care of the pets and the heat. Well, listen, you have a good plan as far as taking care of the rabbit, and that sounds good. Uh, I would also say for any other rabbit owners, you know, the the droppings this time of year uh, need to keep that as clean as possible because of flies and that sort of thing. So I, I just mentioned that having had rabbits myself. So thank you, Kathleen. We appreciate your call. And this is Creature Comforts. Time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue looking for your pet questions. Also, any brushes with nature you've had that you want to share with us recently, we'd like to hear those as well. Questions and comments, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll get to Mike from Hernando. That call's coming up next on Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It's an all-pet day, so we're looking for your pet questions. Join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one 877 MPB ring. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. As I promised, we're going to go to Mike from Hernando. Good morning, Mike. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, A question about my cats. I have uh, indoor cats. I've had them most of my life. And about Three years ago, I heard that if you have indoor cats, then the chances of getting fleas and ticks are, are less because they are indoors. But the comment I heard from a, a veterinarian 
was that if you vacuum, once you vacuum, just take regular table salt in a, in a shaker and gently shake it all over the carpet, and it helps to de, to kill and uh, fleas and larval eggs and things like that. Is there any legitimacy to that? You know, there is. Uh, and what, what you're doing with the salt would be actually as you vacuum and get the uh, larvae or eggs, the salt would help to dehydrate uh, those uh, things that you were vacuuming up. Another thing that's used uh, fairly frequently is uh, called diatomaceous earth. Uh, it's in a powder, and uh, you can put that on the carpet, and it will also help uh, actually dehydrates again and would help to help prevent that. So good vacuuming, good cleaning, and certainly you could use uh, the diatomaceous earth. I, I haven't really heard of using the salt like that, but certainly it would help. Plus, if you have your vacuum bag and dump that out and you had live fleas or live larva, you need to dispose of that as soon as possible. Well, we don't have that, but I'm just using it as a precautionary measure. Right. But let, let me add one other thing. You were talking about favorite dogs. I have a friend who had an Afghan hound, the blonde yes. one, and that's the most gorgeous dog I ever saw. It was a lot of maintenance, and it was a very expensive dog, but golly, what a beauty. And man, could she run! Yeah, yeah. Right there, there. I guess they fall under the uh, thing of coursing hounds. They used were used for hunting, and they can move. They can really go fast. Good dog. Well, thank you. As you said, thank you. As you said, tip. as you said, there's a lot of huh? maintenance, but that's that's part of all of it. Okay. And thanks for your call. Yeah, and it was such an it was such an expensive dog, you know. Yes. Yes. All right, Mike, <clears throat> thanks for your call. Always good to hear from you on Creature Comforts. Um, let's stay on the phone lines. By the way, this is Creature Comforts, and it's an all-pet day. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a question about your pet for Dr. Major, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring You can reach us at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Next, we're going to go to Louisiana. Joanna has called in today. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. 101. Uh, yes, I was calling about the Scotty dogs. Um, I have a lady that is going to sell me one at a really good price, considering what they are online. And I've wanted one, but I was just wondering, like, I don't know anything about them. And I was concerned now. I'm starting to think, do they shed? Yes, they can. Uh, the Scotties are very, very hardy dog. Uh, they're... Uh, were, I guess, bred over these eons for hunting and digging out uh, small game, uh, like a badger or other uh, type burrowing animals. But yes, they can shed. They're they're very loyal dogs, very, uh, I would say, a good pet. Just would require grooming, and there are special ways to groom a Scotty. Uh, which uh, certainly your groomer could show you how to do that, or you could have it groomed. But uh, I would certainly, anytime you get something that's a bargain, be careful. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this dog, but do get it into your vet within the first 24 to 48 hours and have it vet checked. I think that's very important. All right, uh, Joanna, thanks for calling in this morning. We've got some open phone lines on an all-pet day on Creature Comfort, so if you have a pet question, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring 
The number is one 672 7464 You can always email animals at mpbonline.org as well. <clears throat> Dr. Major, I've heard that poodles are a little bit uh, um, better if you have uh, issues with allergies from uh, from dogs shedding and that sort of thing. Are, are, are Do they not shed or are low shedders? They would be very uh, low shedders or no shedders, really. And that's one reason you have to have them groomed. Uh, if you don't have them groomed, they would tend to mat up and could be a, certainly be a problem. As far as allergies, that's a great, great question. And t- for me to tell you that somebody would be not be allergic to a poodle or to another dog, if they're allergic to the hair or sensitive to the hair, certainly they could be. But uh, uh, people with allergies may have multiple uh or shall I say multiple things that could trigger them into having an allergic type reaction. Uh, I would like to hear what uh, listeners have to say concerning what they feel like dogs that uh, uh, are hypoallergenic. Some dogs are sold as hyperallergenic, but I really doubt that that is the case in all. Uh, even the hairless dogs uh, certainly could cause someone to have an allergy or hairless cats, but they would be less apt to than the haired animals. All right. <clears throat> Here's another email. This one says, uh, my son adopted two pit bull mixed puppies four years ago. For the first two years, they lived together in harmony with my son. But when my son took an out-of-state job, they came to live with us. They immediately fought and drew blood. So we've kept them separate since then. If we forget and let them together, they attack each other violently. We have other dogs, and both brothers get along fine with them. Is there anything that we can do? Someone suggested muzzling them and gradually letting them be together again. Wow, what a question. And I'm sure they're trying to take care of these dogs the best they can. This would be one of the cases that uh, I would suggest getting someone who is uh, either an animal trainer or somebody that could help you with the psychology of that. What they're doing, uh, I guess the loss of their master by that moving away, uh, one over the other has tried to exert dominance. And they may continue to have that. It's strange that they're good with all the other pets, but need some professional help with that. As far as muzzling, sure, it should help keep uh, trauma down, but I don't know that that would change their attitude. But as you said, it sounds like, yeah, that sort of the master has gone, and so it's time to kind of re- organize the the pecking order i guess right (laughs) well remember that uh dogs are a pack animal Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that their uh, master was head of the pack so to speak and they were getting along fine as far as uh the person that emailed said prior to that time yep but i would say that it is a dominance thing and sometimes dogs that know each other can be much more vicious fighters than if their stray came in so uh, it can be a real problem. Uh, there are some dog behaviorists. Uh, I would say that uh, Mississippi State could put you in contact with uh, a behaviorist, uh, which might might help uh, to get this situation ironed out. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, All Pet Day. If you have a pet question for Dr. Major, give us a call. We do have some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Next on the phone, it's Steve, who's called in from Madison. Good morning, Steve. Go ahead. Good morning. 
Uh, enjoy the show, by the way. Thank you. Um, I have a, a full-blooded poodle, uh, a miniature poodle, uh, that my daughter uh, got when he was a baby. So she raised him at her house and with no other dogs around. And, you know, she walked him but didn't get him around other people and everything. But uh, when my grandson was born, he was, he was barking quite a bit, so we took ownership of the poodle. And what he does, he's, he has this aggressive bark uh, and almost attacks people. And it's strange. Some people, he, he doesn't do that. And other people, he acts like he's going to eat them up. Uh, he does that to certain dogs as well. And I'm wondering uh, what steps could I take to, to stop him from doing that? Right. That's, that's a great question. And it does happen. How big is this little dog? What does he weigh? Uh, about 15 pounds. Okay, so he's medium size, yeah. yeah. I think some of what is going on is new surrounding. I don't know how, how long he's been with you, but uh, is that him now? <laughs> Have him out walking right now. He's just starting to... Okay. Sorry. Uh, this is one of those things that I would suggest that you probably need to get into a training situation. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, he needs to be around other dogs, other people. And uh, this is, you know, has he ever bitten anybody? Uh, no. He acts like he would, but he hasn't. And uh, this, to me, this is a defensive thing. He's uh, trying to say, hey, I'm bad. Don't mess with me. Uh, on the other hand, it's not a behavior that you really need to uh, tolerate. So uh, there are various training uh, situations. Uh, some people, uh, trainers can come to your house uh, and help you. But I think one of the things this little dog needs is a control situation where he is around other dogs and people, such as a training class. So check into that. There are several uh, classes that could be found, I think, in the area. Uh, and go from there. But how old is he? I didn't ask that question. Uh, oh. Let's see. He's, he's about four years old now. Okay. Well, I think you're still hope, but I do think you need, need to be actively engaged in getting around other people, uh, other dogs, and I think a training class would be an excellent way to see how you can possibly modify his behavior. Okay? Good All right. Luck to Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Steve. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's time for our last break of the hour. It's been an all-pet day and will continue to be one till the top of the hour. Dr. Major, ready to take your pet questions this morning and some open phone lines. So if you have one, work one in before the show is over at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We've got Amy from Byram on the line. We'll take her question next. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here today with Dr. Troy Major on an all-pet day on the program. Reminder that if you miss any of today's show, you can always subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app so you'll get each episode delivered to your smartphone. Or download the MPB Public Media app. That way you can listen online or uh, listen to all of our local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. 
As promised, we're going to go to Amy, who's called in from Byram this morning. Go ahead, Amy. You're on the air with us. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, the lady, Scotty dog, um, a lot of the way that I look for a new dog, a breeder for a new dog, is I go to the um, OFA website, and the OFA website tells you what genetic tests a breeder of your breed ought to be doing before they do a breeding so that um, that particular breed, like studies probably are going to have eye problems. Um, like a German Shepherd, you want to look for somebody who's testing for hip problems. Um, you know, like a, a Doberman going to have a bleeding disease. So I go there first, and I do a list of breeders that are doing most or all of the tests that are recommended for the breed. And then the next thing that you want to look for is what are they doing about temperament and socializing the puppy. Like the last caller, um, the puppy wasn't socialized, and so now they're having long-term problems and then there's a couple of different programs that breeders you can ask them if they're doing one of them is called puppy culture um and that one also you know has a really strong emphasis on the genetic test and then avid dog is another one i don't have a lot of in-depth knowledge of that but i would look for those things especially a puppy that takes a lot of grooming like a spy because you know you're going to spend a lot of money over the course of the dog's life on the grooming. And if you get like behavioral or health problems down the road because the breeder is just throwing two dogs of the same breed together, then that is gonna cost you a lot of money over the long term. You know, these animals, these behaviorists that Dr. Major is talking about, they're not cheap because there's not that many of them. And so their time is expensive because they have to, you know, ration it out so um, if you invest in the puppy on the front end then you're going to prevent a lot of these problems that are going to be expensive on the back end all right, Amy, good uh, good tips there. Thanks for your call this morning. And, and Dr. Major, a uh, good point. You know, do some research before uh, you get a pet. You want this to be a, a member of your family and, and fit in well with, you know, you and your family. And so not only investigating the, the breeder, but we've talked about this before, is investigate the breed of dog. What are the characteristics and that sort of thing so you can make a good fit for your family? Absolutely. Good research is <clears throat> it's most important. And one thing I didn't mention about Scotty, they can be great dogs. But remember, we talked about them being bred uh, originally for hunting and digging, and, and they can dig quite easily. So this may be one of the things you have to consider as well. But, yes, that was good information from Amy, and I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. Um, we've got some open phone lines. Still time to work in a call if you're quick about it at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. In the meantime, though, we do have another email. This one says, uh, we foolishly kept two litters of kittens four years ago. So now we have 13 adult cats, all fixed and generally happy. But about two weeks ago, several of them started sneezing and coughing. Now most of them either have it or have had it. There's no drainage. They just sound congested. Sounds like it's curing itself in about two or three weeks. Uh, Do you have any ideas on what is causing this and how we can help them get over this as comfortably as possible? Well, great, great question. Sounds like none of these are kittens now, so that's good. Seems like kittens have a worse case with most of the viruses, which probably this is if all the cats are doing this. 
there are several viruses that can be quite significant. Uh, feline rhinotracheitis can be very severe. And if they're getting over this in a three-week period, probably not rhinotracheitis, but that is very can be a devastating uh, disease for a colony of cats. Uh, I would suggest that if uh, it sounds like they've had them spayed and neutered, and I don't know about vaccinations, whether they've uh, had their vaccinations or not, but it would be there are viruses just like in people that can uh, cause this uh, respiratory type thing. And uh, it sounds like I don't know if they're medicating, but it sounds like they're getting over it in a two to three week period. So I don't know of any advice other than having a veterinarian check the cats or one or two of the cats just to see what what is going on. If it's a virus, uh, antibiotic and that sort of thing may not do, may not be uh, of value. Uh, but I would think in this situation, especially if you've got that many animals, that when one of them gets some sort of illness or something, that maybe act a little bit quicker than you normally would in terms of contacting your vets to sort of, you know, catch it before it does maybe develop and spread around to the other animals in the house. Right. And, of course, the other question is, these cats all in the house? Are they outside and inside? And the thing that would concern me would be other cats coming into the neighborhood and could spread, you know, disease to them. So uh, I would contact your vet and at least discuss or bring one or two of them in so they could actually see possibly what's going on. So we talked a little bit about dogs and their interaction uh, when there's several in the in the household. What about cats? Do they uh, tend to get along with each other, or can there sometimes be issues there as well? Usually cats that have been around each other uh, are get along socially and are okay. When you introduce a new cat, though, this can be an issue uh, if you have multiple cats, uh, and you need to do that gradually usually. Maybe not just turn this cat loose in a room full of other cats. Uh, most people only have two or three cats, but certainly it can be traumatic because of space. In other words, these cats have their own space, and a lot of times they don't like to share that. And a new cat can be intimidating depending on the nature of the cat. So you have to take time and be careful. I have seen cats introduced into a household, and there was not a problem at all. On the other hand, there could be a lot of issues such as inappropriate uh, inappropriate urination, defecation, not using the litter box, in other words. And these things can all happen under stress. So just have to be careful with that. All right, got about 30 seconds. Just enough time to sort of re-emphasize uh, what we talked about at the top of the show, and it's something we talk about frequently but always bears re-mentioning. When it's so hot outside, uh, make sure that your pets are staying hydrated. Uh, Dr. Major, you made a great point. Uh, if the bowl is outside, the water bowl is outside, make it something that's not easy to turn over so that the pets do have access to that. Maybe give some shade, possibly an old box fan if you have one out in the backyard, uh, and uh, watch for signs of overheating. And if you see something, if you're concerned that you're pet might be getting a little bit too much heat, uh, immediately go to your vet. This is not something that you want to delay. You would want to go seek uh, the assistance of your vet um, as soon as possible. That is going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded, provided in part by listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org. 
Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was our intern for the summer, Charles Arnold. For Dr. Troy Major, the absent Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned because up next, it's autocorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.